It's the podcast show with Matt and Moa. The podcast show with Matt and Moa. It's the podcast show with Matt and Moa. The podcast show with Matt and Moa. Hello and welcome to the podcast show with Matt and Mo. <laughs> Mo, this has been a brilliant episode. Okay, I'm not, I'm not, yeah. I don't want to sound, you know, too confident and too, you know, excited, but we've just finished having a conversation with a friend of yours about the media. And I yes. would like you in a second just to introduce your friend and tell us who he is. But I am, I, I've had a, a fascinating hour with, with a gentleman who I could have spoken to all day. It was really, yeah. really interesting. And really, it was kind of like, you you introduced him and then I just asked him lots and lots of questions because it was so fascinating he everything he said led me to 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 have another question and another question and another question yeah so tell us who you have arranged for us to speak to this week um it's my honor to uh to present um uh, a public figure like that his name is Mr Muhammad Shukir um former uh, broadcast journalist at the Arabic section of Radio Japan in HK BBC World Service and Al, uh, Al Jazeera English Channel. He has a very big history in the media career, and it was very, very uh, nice opportunity to, um, to take a look on this history from himself. And I think um, um, the audience will notice that today, how much Matt was very hungry <laughs> to take more knowledge and more information from, uh, from Mr. Muhammad Shukir nonstop which is very perfect uh, conversation. I enjoyed by myself. I enjoyed uh, um, uh, of this conversation between you and him. Um, and uh, I'm very excited to start this episode now. And I hope our audience will like that. I'm sure they'll enjoy it just as much as I did because we're talking to a man who has decades of experience in the media and who has seen it change and who is as passionate about this type of media, our type of media, podcasts, social media, and its influence and effect that it has in the Arabic world, in the Western world, everywhere in the world. It really is a vehicle for change. And it was great to get that insight from someone who's got such a rich history and who's clearly a very intelligent man and who has been firsthand reporting on some very, very big uh, events in 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 his part of the world in the Middle East and also globally. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's start now to listen to to this. Uh, I can say this is very big added value on our uh, podcast show. Let's listen to uh, the retired broadcast journalist, Mr. Mohammed Shukir, in this interview with Matt and Mo. Welcome to our very special guest. Welcome to you, Mr. Muhammad. Thank you very much. Thank you. Very kind. I really, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm very grateful to, to having me with this uh, uh, very distinguished, highly uh, uh, different uh, kind of show that I, I'm looking forward to uh, to listening. I, I've heard the first two episodes and uh, I must admit, I, I was really impressed. Thank you very much. That's very nice for you to say so. I guess in, in, in a lot of ways, with podcasting and kind of do-it-yourself media like this, um, do-it-yourself broadcasting, this is where we've kind of, we've got the, the meeting of 
what I'm doing with no media training whatsoever and and then someone like yourself who is vastly experienced in the media would you like to just give us a brief history into your own personal background please sure I uh, started uh, as a proofreader slash uh, writer to replace someone who was writing articles in Arabic for uh, a Japanese correspondent and then uh, a couple of Saudi newspapers in Saudi Arabia and then I uh, moved up to become a uh, broadcast journalist with the NHK Arabic section in Tokyo, Japan for about eight years, during which I was had my very initial broadcast training. And then I moved to uh, the BBC World Service, uh, the Arabic service in 1995 for 11 years, uh, during which I spent two years at the BBC World Service television as a producer. Uh, and then uh, moving to Al Jazeera English in 2006, 2007, with the launch of the English um, Al Jazeera English channel and stayed with them until 2016. Uh, briefly, that's it. Now, I don't work in the uh, media anymore, but I work as an editor of uh, Arabic media in one of the universities in, in the Gulf. So you weren't kidding, Mo, when you said uh, this is a very experienced guy in the media. Now we meet a um, uh, big history yeah. in the media career. <laughs> I used to say that all the time. When I meet Mr. Muhammad, I feel myself as a student. <laughs> I, I must admit that I'm really impressed. And I also feel that uh, when you say Mo, because I always been called Mo as well. So I yeah. <laughs> about to answer. <laughs> Well, we'll call you Mr. For the purposes of this, uh, we'll call you Mr. Mohammed, and we'll call you Mo. Yeah, to make this difference. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's. So, how many years was that? Uh, when did it's a long? Was it? When did you say you started? Sorry, I started um, 1984. When I started, so when I started yeah. proofreading and, and writing these articles, 1984, 1985, and then I started. I joined the Gen in the NHK in Radio Japan in '88. And and then I joined the BBC in '95, and then I joined Al Jazeera in 2006. So it's a, it's it's a long time in terms of technology, in terms of the way things have changed. Can you just give us a, a bit of an insight into into your personal Absolutely. take on that, please? Yes, of course. When I first started, it was an electric typewriter was the uh, <laughs> state of the art. <laughs> And and it was, uh, I mean, I remember using an electric typewriter at work, but I also had my own little portable typewriter, which was a brother, a, a small Japanese thing that you can carry on a little briefcase. But at the NHK Radio Japan, which is the supposedly, I mean, people look at Japan as the, uh, the top technology and a state of the art, uh, they had a very heavy, uh, old fashioned typewriter as well that we used to type Arabic because that was the only way, the only thing available. And we continued to use that. And they used uh, tapes, you know, with tapes with, with, with marker and blades and you cut with, you cut mm. with the blade and you stick the tape together and stuff. That was the editing. And uh, even when I moved to the BBC, they still had the same more or less kind of technology, very sort of wrapped back with the only thing that was working there was was the tel the facsimile machine other than that everything was manual and 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 that was the time that was just starting to to witness the the word processing uh, systems in in computers and of course they were a separate entity they were separate machines on their own they were called word processors 
and then and it was integrated into a computer when when you had the tickers when you had the the old-fashioned kind of a telex kind sort of machine that brings in uh, what the wires has been saying and you need to subscribe and it was very expensive not anybody can do this and now it's all free but but that's how it started and then they had the the same wires on a computer system that was very primitive and and that was coming in but you can only use that to type uh, very little uh texts and 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 i remember that even the running order that we used to type uh, we used to do by on the typewriter and 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 uh, or give it to to a secretary who would type it before we take it to the studio it's the podcast show with matt and moa the podcast show with matt and moa it's the podcast show with matt and moa the podcast show with matt Everything that was needed to create print media, to create broadcast media was very big, very expensive and required specialist skill to use. It's changed to the degree that you can literally, well, you can't really print, not in volume in, in, in your bedroom, but you can do pretty much everything else from your, from your own home now, can't you? So it's changed hugely. Exactly. And it happened very quickly. It, it didn't take very long before everything was, was automated and, and digitized. And it, it, I mean, I, I, when I left the BBC, they had more than one system. Uh, one of them was the ENPS, which is still used up till today. But before that, they had something called Dave. And Dave was more of a digital recording system that we used, uh, uh, to, to record programs and edit them instead of having to use the blade and, and, uh, and the tape, which was very messy. And sometimes it even caused injuries and stuff. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that was, that was, yeah, that, th- those are the, the, the good days I remember. I mean, most of the, the Arabic radio heritage and good name and reputation was built during those times in the, in the nineties, uh, the invasion of Kuwait to start with and then, and then the Iraq war and, and so on, the Gulf war. And this was the time when everybody was gathered around the radios in, in Arabic to listen to the BBC Arabic service with, which had big names. I had the honor to have worked with some of those people uh, before they passed away. And uh, they became legends and they still remain as some of the most uh, uh, famous uh, broadcasters in, in the Arab world. And they, they used to judge things by how much criticism do we get from both sides. People who say that you are pro-Iraq and, and the others who would say that you are pro-Kuwait. And therefore, uh, uh, when you get more, more or less equal kind of criticism or letters from audiences, then you know you're doing well because mm. both sides criticize you and more or less evenly so you to the, you're presenting balance i know that i know that mo's got some questions he wants to ask but when you when you mention something like that and you mention your involvement in something like that during a time of conflict obviously it, it makes me think of your experiences your personal experiences in dealing with that in being involved in that and broadcasting and, and being part of the media and also it obviously it mirrors what's going on today you know there is a, a similar issue at the moment so from the point of view of somebody who's working in the media, how is it? What's the experience like? It must be incredibly fast-paced. There must be a lot of pressure. It must be very stressful. There's obviously lots of humanitarian things that, that, that you probably see that don't get broadcast and things like that. So give us an insight, if you wouldn't mind, please, into that experience. Of course, of course. I, 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 I will have to start by saying maybe so, this is very rather unusual, but the, the putting the audience in mind and at heart and making sure that you respect the audience you respect the people you're talking to and you treat them as intellectual beings uh, 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 who would 
listen, understand, analyze, compare, and reach their own conclusions. That hmm. was the bottom line. Because if you didn't do that, if if you you would you would turn into one of those uh, uh, state broadcasting that would blow the trump and basically just try to to sound or or convey the words of what whatever regime is trying to get across to people and is not even giving them the opportunity to think very sad but this is the way it has been in the middle east and the arab world and that's why a lot of people counted on the bbc as the impartial voice the truth and uh, although um, the BBC Arabic did not disappoint their audiences uh, in, in very, very rare cases, maybe they did once or twice, but even when they did, they still apologized and they corrected whatever it was. But the situation now is completely different. Although you are still in the Middle East, we're still talking about, because the Middle East is always a good example to, to use to, to indicate the gap that has widened so much when a particular head of state in one of the largest Arab states still up till a few weeks ago is telling the people millions and millions listen only to what i say don't listen to anybody else that is ridiculous that is sad sorry to say it's 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 not you don't treat human beings like that i think um, i think now you uh, i feel uh, mad uh, like hungry to know oh, more yeah information honestly i mean Muhammad. because of that i respect this moment yeah. <laughs> and i feel you have more questions please continue because i enjoy this conversation yeah i mean it's fascinating it really is and, and i'm sure that, that those people listening are, are enjoying it as well but this is kind of my style and i think it, it's very inquisitive and it's very much in the moment because you you will say things that will just trigger a, a curiosity in me and I think one of the things that I was interested in talking to you about was the, and I think you've kind of touched on it there with the with the with the, the subjects of impartiality and balance, and the me that the that people have a very often a very sort of dim view of the mainstream media. They believe that it's it's set to an agenda and it's driven by one side or another. Do you think that the invention of podcasts and do-it-yourself media has has given is, is that a good thing or a bad thing in terms of it's, it's, getting it's, information out there yes no it's a wonderful thing if you can promote it properly to to the wider uh, audience because all the social media is now acting as a counterbalance to the mainstream media that has been, whether it is driven by a particular government regime or or or, or a commercial establishment, and 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 they would like to get as many people as possible to make more money from advertising and stuff. This is uh, Noam Chomsky's theory. I'm sure I'm sure you've heard about it. Absolutely. The, the, the thing is, the thing is, um, to people in 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 third world or underdeveloped or where we come from in the Middle East. The, the social media is a is God-given gift and blessing because it gives people this access to, to, to find out exactly what the other side is saying, even though they have been prevented from broadcasting, they have been banned, there is a lot of distortion, some of the websites cannot even uh, be open for, you need to go through some sort of uh, a loop somewhere to get, this, this is not preventing people from uh, 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 accessing these, the, the, these media, uh, uh, alternatives and and as it has been said again in, in in the country that you know where i come from that that the current leader is actually comparing himself to president nasser back in the 50s and 60s mm -hmm. and says nasser was 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 lucky with his media machine of course nasser was is lucky with the media machine because it was only two radio stations and a couple yeah. of newspapers but that's mm -hmm. it 
that were that was that was everything that people were allowed to see or read or listen to now you mm. cannot control that and you will never be able to regardless of how hard you try because people will still compare will still reach their own conclusions and in fact the more you try to spend money on fancy equipment and 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 a, a lot of uh, resources to try and convey your word across you're making the gap and the, and the space between you and the audience wider and wider because you're not actually touching on what they want to hear you're not dealing with the issues they want to talk about you're not trying to solve anything so you live in a particular bubble of your own and you expect everybody else to listen and that's not the case in the Middle East anymore and it will never be the case anymore please do stay with us on the podcast show with Matt and Mo we'll be back after this very short break carry on this fascinating discussion about all things media with the hugely experienced former BBC Arabic and Al Jazeera English producer and broadcaster, Mr. Mohammed Shakir. See you soon. It's the podcast show with Matt and Mo. The podcast show with Matt and Mo. It's the podcast show with Matt and Mo. The podcast show with Matt. Do you have an idea, a subject, a business topic, a skill, an experience or a story that you are passionate enough to turn into a podcast? QPod is Oldham's only dedicated professional podcast production company and studio and we can make that happen. Visit kupod.co.uk, follow us at QPod UK and let us help you be sound. It's the podcast show with Matt and Mo. The podcast show with Matt and Mo. It's the podcast show with Matt and Mo. The podcast show with Matt and Mo. Regardless of there only being a very small number of media outlets in the past and a certain number of newspapers, radio stations, TV channels, etc., we've now gone the opposite way and we have countless podcasts, broadcasters social media accounts etc etc and despite the huge choice available to people people still find themselves in a bubble of what they want to hear and what they want to believe rather than exploring certain people i should say not everybody but it's it's still an issue it's still you look into the united states for example donald trump's a great example of his followers, his at the echo chamber around him. Brexit was the same in the UK. You know, you can you can still be very powerful by manipulating the media, regardless of the fact that there is so much media. How do you think that in the future that can be dealt with? Can it be dealt with? Or is this just something that the people that are trying to get the, the right messages out there are just going to have to keep working hard to try and prevail? It's a two-way street, sir, because you have, you're trying to get your message across to as many people as possible. But also, on the other hand, the people have to have the interest. They need to look for the reliable sources of, 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 of news and information. And, and, and if they don't do that, if they just sit and put their feet up and have a six pack next to them and start, then they, then they are not interested. Then basically they are just wasting time or, and, and they will, they will absorb whatever the television gives them, whether it's right or wrong. They are not mm-hmm. even questioning. 
whether it is right or wrong and how accurate it is. That is the danger. That is why the two, the two sides need to work on this. You're trying as hard as you can to get your message across to as many people as possible. But the audiences also are, should be hungry for, for knowledge, who should be, who should be, uh, uh, curious to know what, what is the bottom line? How did this happen? You know, the example of the hospital in Gaza a few days ago, when, 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 when the U.S. president came up and said, it's not you, it's the other camp, that was taken at face value. A lot of people sort of will, will never doubt what the U.S. president is saying as if it's sacrosanct, as if mm-hmm. the, 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 the words of, of this man, a man of this magnitude should not even have any doubts about. The investigation that were carried out later by other professional, uh, more forensic-related uh, uh, organizations have proven that this was not accurate. This was not correct. And there are further investigations that need to be carried out if you want to really find out what happened. So, so to capitalize on what the President of the United States has said in a statement that was not even properly verified uh, by by those allegedly experts who are supposed to know and, and verify every word before he is allowed to say it in public, it goes through billions of people in the world this is this is a deliberate mistake that tries to promote and 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 put a shield behind everything that he said that you cannot even allow to you're not allowed to to raise doubts about about the statement the truth of this statement and whether it is it is some sort of a sacred text it's a sacrosanct uh, words that that and they started people when 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 people started raising doubts about this it, then you had people asking do you actually mean to doubt the 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 president of the united states as if you know, but, but of course there were, there were, there were verifications and checks and tests, examinations done in a forensic professional manner by Channel 4 did one and there is a couple of others who are actually, uh, raising strong doubts about the validity of that statement. And, and, and they, they examined it from, in terms of audio, from the, the angle that was shot from and the amount of damage it caused and all that to, to, to try and conclude that this was not uh, uh, accurate. It was not true statement as such. And there's always been a, a false belief that your governments would would never lie to you, and 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 etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And that's obviously been disproven a long time ago. Probably, I think in America, probably um, President Nixon and Walsh, uh, Watergate was probably the the big watershed moment in terms of you you know that you really can't believe everything that you hear or read or see and and since then it's become more and more apparent and i think obviously it's kind of come full circle with with donald trump i think i think and i'm talking from a from a sort of a, a, a western democracy point of view you know i live in britain and i have very limited knowledge of the arabic world uh, I, I don't speak the language i don't i don't follow it in the same way that you guys do but you'll be able to tell me but i mean we've come full circle with donald trump and brexit where people can brazenly lie um, without, any, like you're just saying, you know, without any fact check, you can be the president of the United States of America. You can say what you want, um, seemingly with very little actual consequences. Hopefully, that won't be the case. I'd be delighted to see him in prison after <laughs> what happened on January the sixth. But it's a real struggle, like you said, when you've got people of that magnitude, so fr- and, and 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 states of the so-called democratic world, because the, the democracy is based on the ability to think critically to be able to question to challenge but it's it only works if what you're being told is true and 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 what you have to start from a base of truth so when everything is being doubted when everything is being uh, questioned even at the very highest 
levels, how does the mainstream media and how does, if you like, independent or amateur media, such as what we're doing, how does that effectively challenge something like that in a, in a positive way, do you think? As um, I tried to explain earlier that there are two, two, two parties, one is sending and the other one is receiving. And unless the receiver, who is the audience in this case, has the interest and the willingness and ready to take time to verify what has been said and find out exactly how how accurate it is, uh, you you will have a very difficult time tra- trying to, to 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 reach or get your message across. What we have in 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 the Middle East in 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 the Arab world, people have become more desperate for for true and accurate accurate news because what they have been seeing and listening to is basically lies accumulated on top of lies and that had created this big divide and gap between them and the establishment and the, the, the regime or the government or whoever is running that this alternative media this this uh, all the, the 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 social media and because they work together and that's how they started the arab spring in 2011 that's how that spark started and that's why most of the regimes now are so keen on having their own what they call electronic committees sometimes they call them flies sometimes to try and distract people or maintain some sort of balance to show that there is a counterpoint out there that is supporting the current regime or the current God knows what. Mm. Uh, of course, this all would collapse in, in, in if, if they were given a real opportunity to, 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 to voice their, 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 their interests or their opinions. But only in that part of the world, people can go to jail for expressing a view, which is more like back in the Middle Ages in Europe or the U.S., yeah, I think, I mean, there's a couple of things that are springing to mind there. The fact that it seems to be, I've gone full circle again in terms of like, you, you've had this experience uh, in the Arab world of not trusting what's coming out of leaders' mouths. That is now happening over here where they are blatantly lying, they're blatantly telling us things that aren't true. There's, but every time there's a backlash by the people, but then obviously it's all about power. It's all about, we follow the money at the end of the day. That's how it works. But now you've got the introduction of AI. So on social media, there will be, you know, powerful states with lots and lots of money will be able to engage AI to have conversations with people to counter, you know, things like that. It's going to become a very, very difficult struggle to, to find the truth. Absolutely. I, I, I agree. But also the receiver and is it an educated human being who is interested and who has the mental capacity to be able to distinguish between uh, uh, statements and, and compare material and or not? Because where we come from, it, there is a keen uh, 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 effort to try and maintain people uneducated, uh, uh, unknowing of what there should go on around their countries, of having the 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 uh, mock-up parliament and and other representations because they are not real they don't represent the people but yet on to the outside world it looks like it like like it's real but in in fact no they don't want people to be educated because educated people would mean more trouble they don't want people to be aware of of what their options are even if it is written in the constitution because not not a lot of people can read which is another challenge you see we are we are we are trying to we're trying to survive here we're trying to keep our heads above water unlike in the western world where you started recently doubting what the 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 organization the government is saying or and 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 you started to raise uh, questions that 
maybe will be very hard to come up with answers for, especially in, in, in Europe and in, in countries like the US, where there is a degree of intellect and people are not treated like a herd of sheep where they have to be dragged by the nose into doing things that they don't want to do. Yeah, but I think I think there's definitely an issue of a lack of education. You know, working class people, poor people, their education isn't such that it promotes critical thinking. A, a large section of our society in, in places like Britain and the US are kept at a certain educational level for a reason. You know, I, I, and they're dumbed down by 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 media, by TV, by certain by food, even. You know, there is there are, there are lots still lots of challenges. If you look at, I mean, you would think that any critical critical thinker with an edu- with with any kind of education would look at someone like Donald Trump and just think this guy what and and you, but yet he he got millions and millions of votes and people believe what he says because they don't think they haven't the ability clearly to think critically to 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 look at both sides of the argument so i think it is an issue even in in, in countries like the US and Britain yes i agree it is an issue but uh, i i don't think it is a serious matter to the to 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 the depth that it is uh, uh, elsewhere in the developing world, yeah. and of course with with with, I mean the majority the vast majority of people at least are aware of their their rights their legal rights their 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 constitution or or how things are done and they yeah. can always go to their MP or go to their. Uh, a representative somewhere and either write him a letter or go talk to him or send him a message somehow what what you were just saying then was it was a nice comparison actually because it helps us to understand just how different things things are and 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 how much more desperate it is for a lot of other people in this in the kind of situations that you're describing so i guess when like when you're saying about social media and bringing and having these voices challenging and like you said earlier putting putting themselves at risk and really taking chances it's it is hugely important isn't it and is it having a is it really having a much broader effect would you say in terms of helping move things forward for for people who are struggling in in those in those places i think it is because some of the top priorities by people who can hardly have enough food or or who can hardly have you know uh, secure their their next day uh, uh, income uh, is is that they have um, a smartphone and they are connected to the internet and they do all sorts of things on it, including uh, discussions and chats and 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 talking to 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 others about issues. And in other words, where people used to sit together on cafes and talk about things, they don't have to do that now. And and in, in, in fact. In a lot of cases, because people are doing two and sometimes three jobs and sometimes, but where, where, where political work or activity has become a luxury for a lot of people, especially in, in, in the third world or where I come from, this takes part of uh, or compensates for some of that missing uh, uh, element in, in, in becoming uh, active or, or being at least aware of what's happening. And because people forward messages to each other especially in 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 the current situation in crisis like like the ones mm-hmm. we have now uh, where where people are you know uh, people do not uh, feel that 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 their viewpoint is getting across to to the western uh, world to the western viewers to the western audience but they would like to get that done and there are very very few channels that can help 
convey that message. Most of those are social media and uh, uh, whether it is a, a Twitter or 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 uh, or, or a Clubhouse or or Facebook or etc. Cetera, et cetera. Although some of the actual uh, networks are also trying to crack down on let's say pro-Palestinian voices or people who, the, the, you know, when, when they start in, in the news, and that is sad because when they start talking in the third person, when they say a number of Palestinians have been killed, and then they talk about events and they don't say who killed them yeah. until the fourth or fifth line, where you actually mm. lost the initial part of the news story. And this is deliberate. This is yeah. trying to, to reduce the importance uh, of of certain group of people make them more insignificant while what happened to the israelis would always be a headline and mm. when you have an israeli guest you would always have the presenter paying condolences and feeling sympathetic and having the top part of the interview would always have this i am very sorry for what happened to you etc etc when until you have someone like i don't know if you have seen uh uh, uh basim yusuf uh, recent mm. interview with with uh Pierce Morgan, for example, yes, that was that was um, out of the norm because he capitalized on those shortcomings. He he played that card in a very satirical way. It's it's sad, but it's true. And and the number of it became number one hit in all Pierce Morgan's shows since he started working. Yeah. This was the by far the highest, and it was with someone who they never expected that it would reach that much because of the way he handled it and because how he, he put the facts within a very bitter but sarcastic uh, 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 frame. Please do stay with us on the podcast show with Matt and Mo. We'll be back after this very short break to carry on this fascinating discussion about all things media with the hugely experienced former BBC Arabic and Al Jazeera English producer and broadcaster, Mr. Mohammed Shakir. See you soon. It's the podcast show with Matt and Mo. The podcast show with Matt and Mo. It's the podcast show with Matt and Mo. The podcast show with Matt and Mo. Do you have an idea, a subject, a business topic, a skill, an experience, or a story that you are passionate enough to turn into a podcast? QPod is Oldham's only dedicated professional podcast production company and studio, and we can make that happen. Visit kupod.co.uk, follow us at QPod UK, and let us help you be sound. It's the podcast show with Matt and Mo. The podcast show with Matt and Mo. It's the podcast show with Matt and Mo. The podcast show with Matt and Mo. That's the thing about having the, the, the mainstream media and someone like Pierce Morgan, who I don't have very much time for, to be honest. When you somebody has that kind of a profile and it has that kind of reach, Given the right circumstances, it can be very powerful, can't it? It can it can reach a huge mainstream audience and have a great impact. In and and I think that's the thing with 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 DIY broadcasting. That's what we, me and Mo are, are very passionate about 
telling stories and getting people to tell their stories. I think it's the most, like you mentioned the cafe before, the cafe, the campfire, whatever you want to, or the pub, wherever you want to yes. go back in, in and around in history, people have shared their stories. Yeah. But you can only share your stories with the people around the table, whereas now you can share your stories with people around the world. And the most powerful thing to a human being is another human being's story. I genuinely believe that. And it's the one thing that will move you more than anything else. And now we're, we, 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 we need to hear the stories, the truth, that person's truth, because that, all you can tell is your own truth. You can't tell anybody else's truth. So when it comes and it's powerful from that individual, it's huge in its impact. There is a need, a dire need in the Arab world and the Middle East, particularly for this sort of media, because I don't know if you noticed this, but believe it or not, some of the most outspoken against uh, Israelis apartheid policies and the way Palestinians are treated and, and the current situation all through history have been Israeli scholars and historians. And those mm. do not face the, the, the barricades, do not face the barriers or the blocks that any other voices from the Middle East, if they are Arabs, would face. You know, even Edward Said, for example, had a lot of criticism, but but when you talk about someone like Ilan Pape right now, or 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 others, those are top-notch Israeli historians. He doesn't live in Israel anymore. He lives in Oxford in the UK, but he has a book that shook the world about about the 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 the, the genocide of of Palestinians and uh, uh, in the occupied territories. And and this man also said. Which is, which is true because I was there. I was covered. I covered the Israeli elections in 1996 that brought Netanyahu into office for the first time. And I witnessed this and I was told by a couple of people that they used to let Hamas supporters go if they were arrested. Hamas was supported and, and fostered by Israel in its mm -hmm. infancy. And it was created to divide the Palestinian front into two. To, when, when, when the Israelis thought they can they can achieve that by creating a smaller entity that would grow to compete with Fatah, and they did. They grow to compete, with, and they became this monster that they can't control. Now they are trying to erase from the face of the earth altogether. But without the Israeli support and 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 help in their beginnings, they wouldn't have become what they are now. That is something very hard to admit, but only Israeli historians would tell that story and they would say to the world in plain and simple language in English, while Arabs, even if you say that a hundred times, no one would want to listen to you because they have pre-accepted ideas about your leniencies, your tendencies and the way you think, and therefore they don't want to listen to you. But when it comes from a Western voice or someone who is originally was supposed to be a victim, a Holocaust victim or someone else, then it, it, it becomes audible, then it, it gets an ear, then it becomes popular and it... it Sadly, but that's how it, it resonates through the world. Yeah, you know, Israel are not alone in doing stuff like that. You know, the CIA, the British. <laughs> there's a long, there's a long history of, of 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 giving somebody arms, giving somebody support, whatever, and and then that becoming becoming a, another issue in itself. So, look, there's a lot of things going on in the dark, like like behind us in the dark here. Um, you know, going on that 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 we don't know about. But what we can do, and I think this is this is my sort of my my passion is our personal responsibility our collective responsibility to to question things and to share and to listen i think that is the most important thing that we can do we don't have to do a great deal we can't all you know be 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 martyrs to a cause we can't all be prime minister or whatever but we can we can we can 
give the person opposite us the time of day to listen to what they have to say and to and to and and to be open minded enough to accept it because I think what's one of the other things is people just kind of have a have a preconception of, of an idea in their head that when somebody's talking to them they they're already thinking no that's not true I don't believe you if somebody's telling you that their truth it's probably true even if you don't want to hear it and the more difficult and the more uncomfortable it is sometimes the more important it is so I think that that, that these kind of platforms these kind of social media and podcasts are absolutely. a vital tool. And I think absolutely. we've covered that today. I think you've, you've made a really sort of really compelling point. Definitely. I agree with you. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. We spoke about the Arabic radio in its early stages or on at the glory time in, in the early 90s. And now, last year, the Arabic radio was closed down. The BBC Arabic radio, which has 80 plus years of yeah. history and heritage, closed down. And I felt that although it was sad, they saw no use of Arabic radio in the Middle East because the public in the Arab countries are not, not only not listening to the radio anymore, but because they are not as effective or, 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 or capable of doing anything that would impact on the policies of their countries, at least in the foreseeable future. The masses in these countries who were very vibrant and active in the sixties and the seventies are no longer. And now, it's considered a waste of money to continue to spend money on Arabic radio while those listening to the radio are not really capable of doing anything that would have an impact on the future of their countries, not to mention the future of our relationship with the world or the UK or, and therefore, what is the point? I think mm -hmm. that was the main reason behind but, shutting it down. But Mr. Mohammed, um, in the other hand, Many people in the Middle East and Arab countries no longer trust BBC Arabic as they used to. They believe that the news provided by BBC Arabic has become less credible in the past 20 years, as I think. Um, do you agree with me about this point? Yeah, this is true. This is true to an extent, to a large extent. In fact, I would I would say that because not only because because the, now they have other options, because there are multiple channels, as you mentioned, Al Jazeera, among others, who can also uh, uh, give a, a more maybe accurate, maybe a little more emotional sometimes, closer to the hearts of the Arabs. But on the other hand, uh, because... This is this is not my saying. This is something that I was told by a senior member of the Middle East BBC uh, uh, correspondents, someone really well known. And I, I'm sorry, I don't want to say the name, but 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 she said that they are under tremendous pressure from the Israelis on daily basis. This is BBC World Service Television that that the Israelis are applying so much pressure on all levels of management in the BBC, within the BBC. And it seems like they have managed to achieve something. They, they got a breakthrough recently. And 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 th that for that at least I, I don't know what to say, but it's 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 a cognition that that yes, maybe you are not as impartial uh, 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 objective as, as you used to be. You still remain one of the good ones, but unfortunately uh, you won't have the hearts and, and, and the full attention of people who used to remain silent while you're talking because now you are mirroring what other places in the Western world have been saying all along. And this is sad, but it is true. I guess it's, it's, it's something we have to admit. I think that authenticity is the most valuable currency we have these days when it comes to the media, when it comes to, to presenting information. Um, it has to be authentic. It has to be correct. It has to be factual. Once you lose your integrity, it's very, very hard to, to recover. 
isn't it? it, it yes. You know, that, it, that is your responsibility as somebody who's, you know, like yourself, who's, who's dedicated his life, professional life to, to, to sharing information, to reporting. Your integrity is everything, and, and keeping that is your responsibility. Once that goes, then you've, you've is, it, is it in the media? Is it pretty much impossible to recover? It is. It's not impossible, but it's very hard. As you said, it's yeah. like having a true friend, someone you relied on, you believed, and 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 you you thought you know uh, uh, he doesn't do wrong and everything. So, but but once you found out that he has been deceiving you somehow or cheating yeah, yeah. or there's something wrong, yeah. then it would become extremely difficult to regain that level of, of of trust again. And especially when there are alternatives out there, you probably would go find somebody else. I guess it's much easier to keep to, to maintain your own personal integrity, but when you bec- when you're part of a of an organisation, organisational integrity is much more difficult to uh, maintain because you've got so many individuals <laughs> involved in maintaining that integrity, and and, and, and like you've just said that an institution can lose its integrity as well. Yes, and also because because with all due respect, our adversaries or our enemies know where to hit. They know. Who are the people they need to have strong influence with to win? Because, because after all, politicians would like to be reelected or elected. And yeah. everyone, they are both now competing to please the Zionists. How to make those happy? If, if we, like, you can see that when, when, when President Biden seems to have given 100% support to Israel, even without, before, his Secretary of State, Blinken has been talking about the two-state solution for the last goodness how many years since since he became in charge of foreign affairs and Netanyahu has been brushing him off totally disregarding everything he says about two-state solutions that was not mentioned not once in the recent in the recent events the the the, the number of so like security council resolutions the number of american vetoes to 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 obstruct the passage of anything that would lead to a possible breakthrough and 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 a decent peaceful solution to the middle east crisis this is history that has to be mentioned mm-hmm. at the bottom of every news story that deals with this part of the world it would take an extra line or two but you need to remind people of that and unfortunately that's also deliberate nobody wants to to, to remind people of the history because to them history started two weeks ago yeah. before that there was nothing it's, it, it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of effort to unearth the truth uh, you have to go back years and years and years and things are conveniently forgotten or rewritten or people think of it as some kind of like Stalinist kind of uh, rewriting of history or it would only happen in, in, in places like that but it's really it really isn't the case it, it's the the inconveniences are left out of British history every every turn I mean if you if you believe the published British history um, you, you, you know you, you're missing out on so much actual history so it is a challenge but it requires that mindset like we've touched on already to to, to disengage from and I think disengaging from mainstream media certainly for, for a while is really really good because I stopped having a TV in 2013 uh, so I stopped having any of the commercial channels any anything uh, I only watched, streamed what I wanted to stream, followed what I wanted to follow on social media. And and I found it very, very liberating. I found it very freeing because people get drawn into the, 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 the kind of the routine, the repetition, the the comfort of the familiarity of things. And it's only when you break away that you're able sometimes to look at something from afar and reevaluate what it what it's all about. So I found that to be a really, really healthy thing. So it means when you re-engage, you re-engage with it in a different way from a different perspective. You see, what you do, Matt, is that you are actually documenting uh, events firsthand, 
from witnesses who actually happen to be there or witness things that, and this is very important. This is as, as important as academic uh, 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 documentation of research uh, uh, resources, basically, because the, the material you're documenting can be, if, if, if it is properly documented, can be used as, as a reference when, when you are referring to an issue. This is, this has been, the case with with few and uh, among other uh, uh, podcasts that I've heard, and 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 I'm sure uh, Mo knows about about this 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 guy who died recently, uh, Mohammed Abulgate, who had something called Podcast Eleven, and he interviewed characters, people who were deeply involved in the revolution in the, 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 the 2011 revolution, and 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 they revealed how they were deceived by the military and how bad it has become for them but it was too late and this was said in his podcast and those are people like like the person who was the right arm of Muhammad al-Baradai who was supposed to be a top ranking politician people counted on him to lead the movement but how they were mishandled and, and cheated this is all in one small podcast by someone who died recently, but I couldn't find any 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 significant source comparable to that material anywhere else. Mr. Muhammad, um, how can the media falsify facts and install a false mental image in the minds of people? In your opinion? Uh, okay, I I think this is. Remember when I said the way they put things in the third person? When they put yeah. things in the third person and you don't know who is actually causing this, uh, 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 you don't know. Uh, and then you disregard, deliberately try to uh, uh, neglect or, or, or omit a part of the history related to that story that would explain the, the logic or the reasons behind what it is happening. This is, this is, this is all how you can give that false image or impression. Telling half the truth is not lying, but it's deceiving. And that's mm. what they do. And this is basically what has been happening all along with some very, very famous author. And, and, and he was like the top ranking journalist in the Middle East and the Arab world who was the, the most important person to President Nasser in the fifties and sixties. This man wrote books, thousands of pages about wars, about conflicts, about he has a book called the explosion 1967 war more than a thousand pages, he wrote lots of documentation, but he only put the documentation that support his angle, his view, and the rest of it was disregarded. You have to go find it, find it somewhere else mm -hmm. if you want to counterbalance that. And it's you a very hard uh, work. Muhammad Hassan in Haikal, yes, Muhammad Haikal. His works were translated into Japanese. I, I remember that because my wife was reading his books. Unbelievable, so renowned, but yet he was not honest to tell it bluntly, yeah. and that's how they do. Honestly, I could sit here and talk to you all day, but you're on your lunch break, and uh, <laughs> we only have about 51 minutes of actual time for this podcast, so we, we, we can't do that, unfortunately, but it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you. I've really, really enjoyed it. I'd love to talk to you some more, and and that's what I wanted from this, from this particular episode. Is I think we've highlighted the importance of this kind of media, and, yes, and I think absolutely. we only, and I think we only need one tip and trick this week, and that is just tell the truth. I am really grateful for this opportunity. Thank you very much. I really encourage you to continue doing the good work you're doing, and I really encourage you to to maintain that good quality of of material and and testimonies by people because they become a record in history. Thank you very much for having me. 
The Podcast Show with Matt and Mo is a QPod production for Oldham Community Radio. It is written and hosted by Matt Dean and Mohamed Mafus. If you'd like to follow and interact with us on social media, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook at KUPODUK. We'd love your feedback and ideas for the show. If you'd like to be a guest on the show to tell us about your podcast or your YouTube show, please email info at kupod.co.uk. You can find out more about QPod, Oldham's only dedicated podcast production company, by visiting www.kupod.co.uk. The title music was composed and produced especially for the show by Matt Berry at King Buzzard Studios in Shaw. The Podcast Show with Matt and more.